Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. Learning about your body just allows you to have so much more self-compassion in those moments where maybe you aren't feeling your best and you can kind of take a step back and look at, okay, what's going on here? Why did that happen? How can I maybe do better next time? You can't change something if you don't know what the problem is. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. My parents, like my dad and my mom, but my dad like super was into health food and supplements and to like natural living. And he was, well, both of them were entrepreneurs. Yeah. And so in the seventies, my dad had a, like a, he imported herbs for like, <laughs> wow. yeah, for, for supplements, stuff like that. He yeah. was super early into that game and ginseng, et cetera, but super hippie, crunchy. Yeah. Like yeah. I, you know, had never taken an over-the-counter medicine, never went to a doctor. Wow. Yeah, I didn't get my birth certificate until I had to go to first grade. <laughs> so I went to first grade and like I, I went and got my birth certificate. Finally. I love this. Yeah. Like being raised in that, you don't even really know. You know, it's like at the earliest age, like when I was really young, I didn't know other kids got to take Tylenol if I had a headache. I didn't know they were just like, drink more water. Yes. <laughs> Have some electrolytes. That, like so, I didn't know, yes, you know, yes. that, that was. But then I went to school and I went to school with like normal kids in, in public school. And it dawned on me like, wow, other people get like gushers at lunch. And I have like, (laughs) and I have like, uh, my parents were pescatarian. So I have like grilled tofu or grilled, (laughs) like grilled salmon sandwiches at lunch with like, you know, whole wheat bread. I'm like, man, I like, I was different. I was different in that context. And yet I think my parents, because they were very, they're very entrepreneurial. They're very bold kind of entrepreneurial type people. At home, I had to have my own confidence 
to be just in the environment with them. There was not like a ton of coddling. Yeah. It's pretty intense environment. And then at school, I was like different. And I never had a haircut till I was in fourth grade. So I had like long curls. People called me a girl. Like I just, I needed to find a way to just be myself in that environment and feel comfortable. So I think I felt pretty confident and just locked into the way that we did things and valued stuff. And then I got into school and it made me, yeah, I just realized like it's okay to be myself in this world. Then naturally, as you kind of progress, I think in adolescence or early adolescence, I was like, do I like this stuff at all? Or do I want to do something totally different? And I started like throwing it out and trying other things. And, you know, I want, I want to try eating fast food and, you know, drinking sodas from the soda machine at school, and yeah. like, you know, just kind of experimenting. In my journey, I think it, I don't know that it culminated, but by the time I got to high school, I was, I just had to learn all my own lessons, unfortunately. And Don't I, we all? And I pray for yeah. my children that they can like <laughs> learn some from me. But it, that I think that same kind of bold attitude, like I need to try and do everything on my own. And um, that led me into partying and that led me into drugs and that led me into, I think, less of like a sense of like myself and more like trying to understand myself amongst all these other teenagers. And uh, I, unf- you know, I got into some legal trouble, but then I, I had this really unfortunate experience where I took way too much LSD. I've, I, I somehow provoked a fight with people much more hardcore than me because mm-hmm. I'm like not, I'm not a, a fighter by spirit. <laughs> and they beat me like really, really badly. And How st- old were you? I was 16, 16 oh, wow. and a half. Wow. And they stabbed me twice in the back. And they stabbed me in the knee. So, you know, I was unconscious for days. I had to have my patella tendon reattached. I had to have emergency abdominal surgery. I have a huge scar because, I mean, they assumed I was, all my, my major organs had been affected. Luckily, they weren't. My spleen was like barely nicked. And so coming out of that, I'm like 16. Well, it's a, de- it's a life and death experience. Yes. It's a traumatic psychological experience through which you have to make a choice about what you're going to do next. Whereas like when you're a child, your parents are making all these decisions for you. Like, you know, they call me Angie, like, Angie, take this vitamin. Angie, this is what we eat. You know, and like suddenly I'm like, whoa, like this is my life. I'm going to make my decisions. It's all going to play out the way that I uh, respond to this life, to these opportunities. I could make decisions that would send me out of control. Yeah. Because that is what happened. I made a series of decisions and things were out of control. And then I'm spinning and now I'm like in a hospital bed and, you know, now I'm, I could have very easily died. Wow. And so what are the decisions I'm going to make going forward? And so at that point at 16, I had a very, I had a renewed, fresh kind of my experience of what health was and that it looked a lot like revaluing these things like my parents had kind of taught me about, about nutrition, about exercise, about, and not for like, oh, exercise to play sports, but like, wow, I really want to be able to like feel good in my body and live this kind of vibrant physical and emotional experience. Suddenly, you know, I grew up being exposed to chiropractors and acupuncturists and stuff like that. And suddenly I was like, I want to go to the acupuncturist, you know, to like figure out all this nervous system stuff I'm experiencing. So I pretty seriously embraced trying all types of health modalities not just following maybe like what the mainstream was, although I was in Austin. So yeah, it was was like, you know, it wasn't like that weird to go to to an acupuncturist. I mean, that also really kicked off, I think, which is maybe less of what my parents gave me. I think emotional and psychological and like spiritual searching, you know, I really wanted to try to, yeah, I don't not figure out the meaning of life, but like figure out who I am and what I feel and and like, and what's going on in my mind. Because I was experiencing a lot of just hard 
Right. It was already, if you're a teenager, it's really yeah. hard and confusing. You've got your brain changing. You've got these hormones. And if you introduce that kind of trauma, trauma. with drugs, it's yeah. like, it's well, very confusing. So I became emancipated then when I was 17. Okay. Whoa. Okay. How yeah. did, how do, how, <laughs> what? Well, I think, um, so some of the context leading up to this is that m- my parents started getting divorced when I was like 14. And coming out of that, you know, I, I started going to therapy. I, I'm, I think I was going to therapy before then. Like it was much more important at that point. And I started talking to, through things and it became clear to me that I, I, it was time for me to like create my own thing. You're still, I'm still unpacking things from my childhood too. Or, yeah, just trying to understand <laughs> it and sort it together. And, you know, um, and having children now is a great gift to like rework through that stuff. Yep. You know, practically speaking, I pursued paths. You know, like I pursued a meditation path very seriously for many years How do you feel like that helped you? I think of meditation and I think of the type of psychotherapy. I've done done a lot of psychoanalysis and journaling is all being pretty related and related in that if you slow down and you just breathe and then watch what spontaneously comes up, a lot just happens. And if what spontaneously comes up, I think in a sitting meditation or now, you know, I said I walk, but really it's like a walking. I mean, I walk a lot and I just walk and I just kind of it's interesting too. Walking is a, it's where EMDR came from, the trauma therapy. Yeah. They, they observed that through the right, left alternating movements that these things were being resolved in the brain. Walking for me is, is kind of a form of, of meditation. But yeah, I think that through sitting meditation, by slowing down and by breathing, and then the thoughts come up, the feelings come up. And in longer, I mean, I've been in 10 day, all day, silent retreats, no, no talking, no eye contact, no reading, no writing, only meditation. I mean, in that kind of context, a lot a lot of physical sensations come up that you didn't even know were in there. And, you know, I think in a in a meditative context, you're just it's like coming up and you're just releasing. You're just letting it be. Versus in normal life, things come up and you like I latch onto it. You know, like I latch onto it to turn it into something else, you know, <laughs> or yeah. I latch onto an idea because I think it's important and I really want to develop it or an idea comes up and I don't, a feeling comes up and I don't like it and I want to like, I reject it. But when I reject it, I kind of latch onto it yeah. and I develop oh, yeah. some coping thing. <laughs> and in, in, I think in meditation, you really just let it be, you know, it's like this very, it's like a loving acceptance of what is, it's kind of like an idealized parenting. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's with your child, you're just, if you can just be there. Yeah. In my experience, invites or creates the opportunity for a fuller experience of life. Yeah. In life, we're always going to be taking actions. We're going to be, I'm going to walk to, you know, I'm going to walk here and we're going to do this interview and we're going to talk and I'm, I'm doing things. It's not like I'm going to be in this passive state of just being in meditation. Yet in this chair right now, can I just enjoy being here? Can yeah. I just see like spontaneously what comes up in yeah. this conversation? Can it just be as great as it can be? Or am I like, oh, is Rachel going to ask me a question I don't like? Or is this going to, people yes. going to like me? Or, you know, it's, and all those thoughts, they don't do any, they don't make my life any better, yes. you know? And so I think that it's an extreme, it's a kind of an extreme behavior to sit and do nothing. Yeah. And in that you develop a skill to then when you are doing things, you can enjoy them more. Yeah. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. 
And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. I started my consulting business, Be Well by Kelly, in 2012 as a side hustle. And then finally, in September of 2015, I took it full time. So I left a corporate career in cancer and genetics. Um, So always in the health and wellness biology space. I just want to preface this with uh, my clients do not count calories. They do not count macros. Um, This is not about what you cannot eat or shouldn't eat. This is about what you should be eating. I think it's positively reinforcing. And my philosophy is the things that you should eat 
to elongate your blood sugar curve. And I'm going to explain what that means. Um, basically making your meals last long for you, fuel for you, um, you know, be fuel for you for four to six hours and really make it so that you're not hungry mm-hmm. because that's really important to me. What I was finding is, you know, my clients are going to snack, you know, they're going to go you know, do the drive-bys through their kitchen pantry if they're hungry. Mm-hmm. And, And also they're going to feel more hungry if they're crashing a lot with blood Mm -hmm. sugar. To understand what I want you to eat, um, I want to explain blood sugar. So um, blood sugar is a product of the breakdown of carbohydrates. So the way that I like to explain it to clients is if you open your emojis and you look at all the emojis, what is it? It's pasta, it's pizza, it's ice cream, it's bread, it's bananas, um, it's, you know, I don't know if there's an oatmeal now, uh, <laughs> but basically what it is, is it's all carbohydrates, whether it's quinoa or cake are going to break down to something called blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And the only thing in those products that doesn't turn to blood sugar is fiber. So if you were ever to look at the side of, let's say an oatmeal box and it said 40 grams of carbohydrate, total carbohydrates and 20 grams of fiber, you want to know what is breaking down to blood sugar. And what breaks down to blood sugar is that 40 total grams of carbohydrates minus the 20 grams of fiber. So 20 grams of that meal is going to end up in your bloodstream. So you can picture, you know, 20 little pieces of toast or Mm -hmm. 20 little bowls of oatmeal. And as you digest it and they enter your bloodstream, it's almost like every little oatmeal bowl, like that little blue emoji bowl is kind of, it's in a way, it's working its way up the roller coaster. You picture, you know, really kind of like making your way up and that's your blood sugar going up as more and more of that oatmeal blood sugar is ending up in your bloodstream. And the thing is, is you cannot... Your body never wants more than a tablespoon of blood sugar in your blood at any given time. Mm. So your body releases a hormone called insulin. Insulin is going to come into your bloodstream, pick up that little bowl of oatmeal and put it away. And there are three tanks where it can go. The first tank is your liver. It stores as, that, that carbohydrate stores as fuel. The second tank are your muscles. So if you were ever an athlete growing up and someone told you to carbo load, that's what was happening. You were putting a carbohydrate in your bloodstream. And your body's hormone insulin was picking it up and putting a little bit in your liver, shoving the rest of it into your muscles. But nowadays, we eat a lot of carbohydrates. Our blood sugar is going really, really high. And what happens is is the third tank or the third bucket is is for fat. Carbohydrates are not bad if they're kept as fuel, um, but people don't really know how to do that. Um, We end up being on a quote-unquote diet and going low-carb or Atkins or paleo or Whole30 and and then either they're not losing weight because they don't understand this concept or they feel really restricted and then they end up kind of binging on something. Mm-hmm. So I always want to give my clients the opportunity to have a carbohydrate, but not all day, not at every meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really want to think about the things that break down the blood sugar slowly. Mm-hmm. For example, all vegetables are a carbohydrate, but they have so much fiber. So you can use a cup of broccoli, for example cup of broccoli is six grams of carbohydrates and almost four grams of fiber. So six minus four is two. Only two grams or, you know, two little broccoli emojis are ending up in your bloodstream. That's really easy to keep that in your liver or just store it in your muscles and never have that overflow to fat. And so that, that balance and understanding, well, you know, fiber and leafy greens are 
you know, fibrous vegetables like broccoli and cucumber and asparagus and all these leafy greens, that's a phenomenal thing to eat. And it really, because of the fiber, is a slow release of blood sugar. It doesn't jack your blood sugar up like a roller coaster and have you crashing down because the higher you spike, the harder you crash. And when you're going up a blood sugar roller coaster, when you're eating like, you know, things get popular, oatmeal, avocado toast, mm-hmm. you know, quinoa bowls with sweet potatoes on top and, you know, tofu teriyaki. And I look at that and I go, yikes. Yeah. A lot of carbohydrates in that bowl and no one's really looking at their meal as a whole and saying, they're just going, it's gluten free and yeah. it's dairy free. And, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, to be honest with you, a lot of the vegan restaurants in Los Angeles, like the Real Food Dailies and Cafe Gratitudes mm-hmm. are fun, but I feel horrible after I eat there. Yep. And I feel bloated and I feel lethargic. You know, it's just understanding the components of your meals Mm -hmm. and what they break down Mm -hmm. to. And I think understanding the higher that you spike, because your blood sugar, it's going to start to go up after you digest a meal. It's going to go up for about 90 minutes to two hours. And about that 90 minute or two hour mark, you're going to start the crash. Mm -hmm. And what that crash is, is the blood sugar being put away into your liver and your muscles and that hormone insulin ravenously looking for more sugar. And when you're going down, when your blood sugar is going down, it doesn't feel good. You feel hungry. You feel like you need sweet. So a thing that people do after their lunch is, you know, they have lunch at 1230 or one and by three o'clock or four o'clock, they're jonesing for a donut, Mm -hmm. a brownie, or they're like, I need to white knuckle it and I'm going to go get a coffee or a latte, you know? And it's, you know, you're trying to force yourself between meals instead of learning, well, what could I eat mm-hmm. that wouldn't make me feel lethargic, that wouldn't take me up this roller coaster and crash me down? And instead of Montezuma's Revenge at Six Flags, can we find like the kitty train mm-hmm. in the in Kidville where we can just sort of like slowly roll up and down from meal to meal? And that really takes what I call the fat floor. When something, you know, is is wrapped in fiber like a like quinoa or a sweet potato versus having a glass of orange juice mm-hmm. the release of that sugar it, it break down the digestion because you think about it like your your hydrochloric acid and the enzymes in your stomach are going to break down whatever you're eating and if you drink if you go if you are hypoglycemic or you have low blood sugar and someone takes you to the hospital they don't hook you up to an iv they hand you a glass of orange juice Mm. or apple juice and they say drink it because your body breaks down that sugar so quickly because there's no fiber and it ends up in your bloodstream in minutes Mm. whereas like if it is quinoa it would end up there slower but it just because it's quinoa versus orange juice. If it has the same amount of total carbohydrates, that spike is going just as high and your body does not know the difference. Man, I just, I want everyone listening to really hear that piece of advice. It's important to understand what are the other things that you can eat. So the fab four is protein, fat, fiber, and greens. So starting with protein, um, obviously there are animal sources of protein and that would be Salmon, chicken, grass-fed ground bison, you know, turkey, fish, shrimp, you name it. Like all the animal proteins, eggs. In my world, also protein powders like collagen or a organic pea protein. Um, if someone wants to use a whey protein that's made from cow's milk and you don't have a dairy allergy, also an option. And when you think about vegan and vegetarian, I I tend to lean more for like nuts and seeds using like a pesto on veggies or 
over beans, but beans in serving sizes. Um, and that's because I don't think people realize they always say when you're vegan and vegetarian, all my clients are like, oh yeah, but I have lentils or I have mm-hmm. chickpeas or I have hummus. And you I'm like, my heart whoa, that whoa, day. Whoa, whoa, you whoa. broke my heart that day when I met I'm with like, you and you were like, hummus is a carb. And I was like, what? No. <laughs> I know. So many people, it's like mind blown, but, but it is to, to get eight grams of protein, you must ingest 40 grams of carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. So it's more, I always say, simplify your life. What is it mostly? Like, yes. what is it mostly? I like, love that in the, the book. That is so the, helpful. Yeah. The beans are mostly a carbohydrate. Does it mean you can never have them or they're unhealthy? No, I don't think they're unhealthy, but you need to be aware of the serving size and not think of it as like, oh, I'm going to get all the protein my body needs from this. And instead, think about how am I going to elongate my blood sugar curve? Because if I do want to put some black beans on a Southwest salad, I'm not going to be the girl that puts a cup on there. Yeah. I'm looking at it as a condiment for flavor and a little fiber and to make it a little more like of a Mexican salad than like just a regular chicken salad. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Yeah. So when you think about your vital signs, I mean, you're probably picturing like you, you've been watching Grey's Anatomy or I don't watch that. I was, I was going to say ER, but I'm like, that's a dated reference, (laughs) but you know, you're thinking vital signs, like your blood pressure, your heart rate. And you know, I slipping my mind the other two, but you know, they're very important signs that tell you exactly how your body is doing. Like if something, if one of those are off, something's wrong, you know? So your menstrual cycle is considered your fifth vital sign. 
or it's recommended to be considered your fifth vital sign because it is an indicator of your overall health. If something is going wrong, you might experience it in the cycle. So I think we talked about last time about how, you know, PMS isn't necessarily normal. It's very common, but that doesn't mean it's normal. Um, that's, that's an example of an indicator of how something might manifest if something's wrong. Learning about your body just allows you to have so much more self compassion in those moments where maybe you aren't feeling your best and you can kind of take a step back and look at, okay, what's going on here? Why did that happen? How can I maybe do better next time? Um, so in terms of where to start, I would say at the very least, you know, I want, I, I want everyone tracking their cycle just because we want to learn all this great information, but at the very least, if you're not tracking, um, the flow of your cycle or anything like that, at the very least, just your energy, your energy levels, and mm -hmm. maybe in your mood as well, so that you can see that if there's any patterns in how you're feeling. So just like you are saying, it's the beginning of your period, you know, at this time that your emotions are a little heightened and you're not feeling so great. Maybe you don't handle certain situations so well, you can plan for that the next time around, you know, maybe in the moment, it's not going to be so perfect all the time in the moment, but again, there's that self-compassion. And also if you are anticipating a situation, then you can better plan for how you can approach it. That is a perk of knowing your cycle is being able to share it with your partner like that. Um, because I've, I've heard some people do this. I don't do this, but I think this is a great idea where you can keep a shared Google calendar and put your phases in there. If you know when they're coming and you know, um, and you're tracking well and it's regular, you can plan for it. And they know they, they can see that in the calendar and think like, okay, I'm going nowhere near her today. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> probably the most important thing is how you interact with your period, how you engage with the conversation around it. And in terms of, like you're saying, laughing about it, definitely laugh about it. It's weird. Bodies are gross. It's fine. And you know, teenagers are going to be like, Oh mom, come on. You know? <laughs> but it's just, yes. you want to try to have fun around it. And also I, I was thinking, um, I'm thinking back to a conversation that I had recently. We talked about having accidents and what to do when that happens. And it's also important for you to model behavior when that happens to you, or if it does, you know, rather than being like, Oh, this is awful. It's just like, okay, you know what? Just, you know, grab a sweater, tie it around my waist rather than making a huge deal of it. Like, yeah, it sucks. Right. Your pants are dirty, but at least yeah. you can, you know, model how you move forward and not make it a huge deal. I mean, that's why I do a lot with intuitive eating as well. It, it really does align because with, cycle syncing and paying attention to your cycle, that all requires intuition because you're learning about your body. Intuition is information that you observe and, you know, keep in your little library and <laughs> it, it all pulls from that. And so you can intuitively know how to treat yourself throughout the month because you know what's happening when, and you know that, you know, when you feel a certain way, you naturally know this is how you deal with it because you've been learning about it throughout your cycle journey, you know? Yes. So intuitive eating, it's a framework created by two dietitians, Evelyn Tripoli and Elise Fresh. And it's an approach to health that focuses on nurturing your body rather than the diet mentality, like everything that we're talking about here, like the way you talk about your body and, you know, the cycle of restriction and hyper-focus on perfect nutrition. And it prioritizes mental health along with your physical health and is just much more sustainable, um, than the typical diets that you're used to, or you may be used to. And so 
there are 10 principles and I can go through them if you want to, but the, I think the foundational thing with intuitive eating is just building an awareness. And that's always going to be the first step to changing anything. You can't change something if you don't know what the problem is, right? So developing an awareness around how foods make you feel and why you're reaching for certain foods. I think those are two main things. I mean, you know, when you feel good, when you eat something that makes you feel really good, you're energized, you, you know, you're, you don't have that fatigue or brain fog throughout the day. You feel energized, motivated. You're just in a good mood. And if you, if something is revolting against you, I think you might also know what that feels like, but also it can be a little bit more subtle. So maybe, maybe it's not the food itself. Maybe it's the amount of food that we've eaten. We've eaten past our level of comfort, which can happen, especially if it's a food that we restrict often. And then we get in that panic mode of like, I don't know when I'm going to eat this again. So I better eat all of it right now. (laughs) So, yeah. So, I mean, I think that I mean, many of us have that experience where we've eaten beyond the point of comfort and that can feel like cramping in your stomach. It can feel like your pants are very tight and very uncomfortable. It can, you can eat till you're physically ill. And, um, you know, as I say this, you may be thinking of experiences that you've had in the past that you can sort of put to, to these descriptions. So, um, I feel like you, you kind of have an idea of how you might feel when you feel good and when you feel bad, but it's more of what foods are doing that for you that you have to start to learn to develop an awareness around because, you know, maybe, maybe one food will make you feel great one day, but maybe later in your cycle, it might not feel good. So I remember last time we talked about how you had discovered that raw all food was just no good for you. Right. Right. <laughs> that you did work with your body. Yeah. So maybe in your ovulatory phase, maybe test this out. In your ovulatory phase, that's when your estrogen is high, your energy is high, you're feeling very strong, your body's strong, your digestion is strong. So that's usually when it's recommended to have those raw foods, have a big raw salad if you want it, and your body will probably process it better than in your menstrual phase, for instance. I mean, you mentioned tracking, so you can track your food and along with your mood. So sometimes I'll have people do a food and mood journal, not like a MyFitnessPal thing where you're yeah, logging yeah, yeah, every yeah. last teaspoon of thing. Definitely not like that. Just like a description of what you ate. Like I had this sandwich. This is what was in it. This is how I felt. And just keeping that in a journal. And so over time you can notice, okay, I'm feeling this when I eat this, um, tomatoes or, you know, I feel this way when I eat bread or, you know, so you can start again, it all comes down to like education and then tracking and patterns, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So you can, you can do that. And also if, even if that level of food journaling is triggering to you, maybe consider taking photos of your food. Um, so it's less of, you know, actually focusing on every ingredient and we're just like, take a picture and here's how I felt, you know? So there are different ways that you can approach it, but that's, that is a couple ways that you can start to develop that awareness. I think with intuitive eating, people misunderstand it and think that it's eat only when you're hungry, stop when you're full. And that's not always the case. It is things like what you're talking about eating intentionally and thing maybe, you know, like Thanksgiving. Okay. Maybe you're not hungry at one o'clock in the afternoon when my family tends to eat things, right. <laughs> but you know that you, you're going to have a day ahead of you and you're planning for it and it's going to be great. So bringing it back to what you, what you're saying about feeling good, 
that's where examining your cravings can come in and thinking about, okay, is this food that I want, is it going, or first, first ask, how do I want to feel? And then you can ask, is this food going to make me feel that way? And it, the answer could be yes. The answer could be no. Sometimes the food is what you need to be happy. And that's totally fine. If yeah. the answer is no, this food isn't going to get me there. You can think about what will get you there, or you could still go ahead and eat it if you want to. Again, it is that intentionality behind it. That's important because what I would like people to try this is, you know, you know, your experience when you're eating on autopilot, all of a sudden your hand is at the bottom of the bag of chips and you're like, Oh no, I feel awful. When did, where did I just blacked out and ate all of this? Where did it go? (laughs) (laughs) And that is, that's a much different feeling than going into it with intention saying, okay, I want these chips. You know, I know that what happened last time didn't make me feel so good. I might not feel so good after this, but I know that. And I'm just going to enjoy every last part of it. And by the end of that, it just feels so much different. There's less guilt. There's, there's more compassion for yourself. You're like, you know what? I expected this and I'm, I'm sailing through it. And <laughs> just I also think it. you appreciate what you're eating. I got into health and wellness when I was younger because my mom was diagnosed with cancer in her spleen. And so as a family, we got even deeper into health and wellness. We thought we were pretty healthy growing up um, because my grandparents had like an organic vegetable patch and my grandma introduced me to noni juice when I was like 13 and she was drinking aloe vera. And then when my mom was diagnosed with cancer in her spleen, we were just like, hold up we thought we were healthy, like we were eating the organic food. And then my mom got given this book called The Chemical Maze. And it just explained in layman's terms, kind of all of the ingredients that you might see on the back of packaged goods, kind of sometimes you see numbers, it will explain to you what that number meant. um, And in large doses, could it be detrimental to your health? And this is why kind of thing whether it, you know, and, and that, so we had to look at everything we were using, uh, what we were like eating packaged goods, all of the household products, all of the skincare products, because what you put on your skin soaks in. And that's why when you're pregnant, we're told to be really cautious and careful of what we're putting on our skin. Mm-hmm. But we should be concerned regardless. Like yeah. we should value ourselves just as much as we value our children. Absolutely. And so that's kind of where my passion started for wanting to create something that was really pure and certified organic and I wasn't able to find it so that's when I decided I wanted to like create it for myself and my family and then when we started getting great results like my mom actually had um, rosacea on her skin just around here and around her nose and basically she was on a steroid cream And she was really embarrassed to kind of go out in public because her whole life she'd had great skin. And I gave her the Noni Glow face oil, which was um, one of our first products that we had made. And within a week, she was off the steroid cream just using Noni Glow face oil and it's never come back. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So it was pretty wild. So we were like, okay, we want to. So at that point, I was like, I'm not going to just keep it for myself and my family. I want it to be able to be available to people worldwide. And then I thought, well, how am I going to do that? Because I don't want to compromise the quality of these products. So if I get outside investors, sometimes people have different ways they want to do things, but I really want to do it as pure and as potent as it can be. So when I wake up, I do like 
this is like not really part of it, but it is part of it. Just like a little <laughs> meditation. And then I go and dry body brush after mm-hmm. I do that. So do you do that every day? Yeah. Okay. See, this is okay. I, I'm going to ask a lot of questions because I'm not doing it every day, but I should. Meditation? Oh, uh, dry brushing. Oh, dry brushing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because my husband wakes up at like 5 or 5.30. So it's between 5 and 5.30 that we're awake every day, depending on the schedule. Got it. And then the kids don't wake up. Lately, they've been sleeping till 7. Nice. <laughs> that's really nice yeah. energetically I feel like you like it's like obviously good for circulation and lymphatic drainage and like they say it's great for cellulite um and all of that but energetically as well like if you've had a bad dream or something yeah. you're just like body brushing yeah. like, oh, I'm brushing like, it away brushing away any bad energy yeah. and just like restarting the day I love it and then um I get in the shower I cleanse my skin using our turmeric foaming cleanser which contains uh turmeric obviously and it has in there Palo Santo nice uh, which clears your energy and cleans your skin at the same time it also has in there like um an a sugar isomer so basically when you're cleansing your skin you're not stripping your skin so it's mm-hmm. kind of like foaming cleanser without stripping which is great and you and it also has in there peppermint to help control sebum levels. But in addition to that, the peppermint gives you this fresh burst of energy. Mm. So in the shower, we've got the foaming cleanser. Then I'll do the little bit of the turmeric scrub. Sometimes I mix the two together if I just want like a little light, light exfoliation, whereas my husband just like goes for the straight for the scrub. And then I put the body lotion, the body oil all over my body. Do you do lotion then oil? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and I put it everywhere. It's really good. The body lo- the body oil is really good to prevent stretch marks, especially in them when you're pregnant. I used it throughout my pregnancies. Cool. And also helps with any stretch marks if you have any, helps with like scarring and stuff because cool. of the rosehip oil in there. And then on my skin, I mist my face with the minty mist. It's a minty mineral mist, which is great to like prep your skin for the next steps. And it also has Palo Santo and peppermint in there because I'm addicted. (laughs) And it has a little aquamarine crystal in the actual bottle. And then I put on the vitamin C serum, which is, it contains kakadu plum and acerola cherry and um, lemon peel ferment and orange peel ferment. And it really helped me so much with pigmentation. Mm. I don't know about you, but every time I got pregnant, I got lo- like really dark pigmentation. Yeah. It was just like, boom. And I was like, whoa. What just happened? So I was able to use my vitamin C serum throughout the last two pregnancies because that's I didn't have it available the first pregnancy. And it just saved my skin, helped brighten the pigmentation so much. It, um, it's won multiple awards, but all of my products, like have won multiple awards, including many Best of Beauty awards from Alua, and you know how hard they are to yeah. get. So I'm really proud of them because they're like my little babies. Yeah. And after the vitamin C, then I apply our new serum, which is this retinol alternative serum, which you can apply morning and night. It's gentle. It doesn't cause any redness. Um, so tell me, no I, I'm going to sound so dumb. I've never used retinol and oh. I don't know what it's for. Okay. So retinol is for wrinkles. Okay. And it is like traditionally known as like a chemical treatment for wrinkles to kind of resurface the skin, improve the texture of fine lines, wrinkles, firmness of skin. Um, And that's why I wanted to create a product that basically was certified organic, a retinol alternative. 
it's the first certified organic retinol alternative in the world. I'm very and so I've been using that. that serum morning and night and I just have loved the results that I'm getting. Um, it really, really helps also with any kind of scarring that you have. It also helps with acne. The retinols, like in this retinol alternative, we make it with bakuchiol, which is a natural alternative that a lot of people use. But we added not only bakuchiol, we added alfalfa extract in addition to the bakuchiol. And then on top of that, we added acai plant stem cells. So the combination of that makes it actually five times more powerful than traditional retinol on its own. So it's working on aging that you currently have already like have like the damaged parts but then it's working with acai plant stem cells on preventing further aging nice so I just thought to myself why not get this like powerhouse of a product out there with the proven results and show people like you don't need to compromise your health to get really incredible results like you can be healthy and you know get incredible results for your skin Okay, so then after that serum, then I put on either either the active algae moisturizer or the turmeric glow moisturizer. I have them both there and I love them. It's interesting because I thought that I'd always just go 100% for the turmeric glow moisturizer because it's like a thicker, richer moisturizer. Mm -hmm. Um, But lately, the active algae has been doing it for me, which is more of like a bouncy gel lightweight moisturizer Mm. so it's like I sometimes what like today I did is I used the active algae on my skin then I put the noni glow face oil after that and then I do the eye cream and the eye oil Um, but at night then I'll use the turmeric glow moisturizer because it's like a luxurious rich cream so you're doing the eye cream and the eye oil in the daytime in the day okay wow and at nighttime okay and then you put makeup on that. Yep. Yeah. That's what I did okay. today. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then sometimes I gua sha, but I didn't have time to gua sha today because I had to go to another meeting before this and then do come straight Do you gua sha like with all your serums on yeah. and then you do makeup or yes. on that day you – Okay. Yeah. Okay. And like Please. go upwards. Today I'm going to motivate you or I'm going to do my very freaking best to motivate you to sign up for your first endurance race. That might seem crazy. That might seem absolutely bananas. But I've realized recently how often women come up to me and sometimes dudes and tell me that me sharing a story about running a marathon or me sharing a story about climbing a mountain encourage them to sign up, encourage them to try something for the first time. And I feel like, honestly, if that's one of my legacies, if that is how I can affect other people that like one person in Michigan signed up for their first 5k. I feel like I'm living life really well. And I feel really proud of that. So I thought, wow, if that's effective, like when I get to stand on stages and I tell these stories, if that's helpful, maybe it would be helpful to the podcast audience. And I know I've talked about it a little bit over the years, but today's episode is a full like soup to nuts. How did I go from weighing 52 more pounds than I do today? Absolutely unable to walk a mile, let alone run one. Never exercising, totally out of shape, physically in pain because I was taking such crap care of my body. Like how did I go from that 
to running marathons? How did I go from that to climbing a mountain? It's not the traditional route. It's not, I did not grow up. I would never have called myself an athlete. And if that is something that you can identify with, I want you to hear me say that anyone, anyone can do their version of an endurance race. Anybody. You can challenge yourself to do a freaking Ironman if you want to, but it usually helps to work your way up. And my story is one of working my way up, not of just snapping my fingers and suddenly being athletic. And that's what I want to talk about today. For most of my young adult life, I carried 52 additional pounds on my frame. And when you have that much extra weight on a frame my size, it was painful. It was painful in my back always hurt. I had, I didn't know it, but I had inflammation throughout my body because I just ate absolute garbage. I loved fast food. I loved a frappuccino from Starbucks with an ad shot and another pump of caramel. I loved all of it. And I didn't understand that the way I was eating was really hurting my system. My digestion was absolute crap. Like I was super constipated all the time, which means I was super bloated all the time. It was real sexy. I couldn't wear dresses or skirts because my thighs would rub together and I would get blisters on my inner thighs. It was just really uncomfortable. And To be totally honest, the people in my family were in a similar place and the people in my friend group were in a similar place. So it's kind of that thing where if everybody around you is doing the same thing or acting the same way, you don't really realize that it's an issue. It looks like I got six things that I feel like really helped me to go from that state to the version of me that exists today. And the version of me that exists today could sign up for a half marathon this weekend and run the entire thing with no problems. And I'm not training for that right now. So that's just sort of the level of endurance that I keep myself at. I think fantastic piece of advice for any of you who are interested in trying something like this for the first time. And that is to sign up when you are in state. We're often in state when we celebrate a big birthday. We're in state when it's January 1st and we decide that this is gonna be our year. We're in state when we go through a big breakup and cut all of our hair off and get a slamming body so that we can go out and flirt with people and make sure that our ex sees those pictures and gets super jealous. Like, we're in state. The second piece there that I think is really powerful is you need to be competitive. I do not mean that you need to be competitive with the other people in the race. Because let me just explain something about your girl, Rach. I'll run forever. I will run forever. If you can't tell based on my my career, my endurance, both emotionally and physically, is flawless. I will go forever. But the going is approximately the speed that you can walk at. I run all kinds of races. I run half marathons. I run full marathons. But I don't do it quickly. I am not concerned about time ever. Here's what you're going to discover when you go to race day. And you're going to cry about it forever because it's the most beautiful thing. I don't care where I am racing. I have run races in Ireland, in Anaheim, in Texas, like all over the place. I've done races. And what you always find is everybody. Everybody is on race day. 
There are people who are in their 80s. There are people who are in wheelchairs. There are people who are running who don't have legs. There are people running who are 150 pounds overweight and they're like barely going, but they're fucking going. There is every single kind of person. There are people who walk marathons. There's so many people who walk marathons. It's a thing. There are people who run walk. There's everything. You're not competing against them. They're your community. But I do think that you need to compete against something. You need someone that you are trying to prove wrong. There will be races where you think it's going to be hard and then you get there and you feel amazing and it's so much easier than you think it would be. And then you're going to have races where you're like, this is going to be the easiest thing in the world and you think you're going to die. And the only way that you get through those really tough times is that you have a history of not giving up on yourself when it gets hard. If you can't tell, the reason I love an endurance challenge is that it is an allegory for our lives. It is 100% what our lives are like. This is what real life is like. When I thought I was going, literally going to die in my first marathon, I was in the last two, three miles and I had been struggling for like five or six miles and I was running, but I use that term very loosely. I was like barely crawling forward. But I, I, my whole thing was that I would not walk. I knew that if I walked, my legs were going to seize up and I wasn't going to be able to finish. So I just kept in this like weird disjointed jog forward. And the only thing, I mean, and I was calling on every angel, God, ancestor. I was trying everything I had. And the only thing that helped me to cross the finish line was the memory of giving birth to my son, was 52 hours of labor, feeling every single piece of that, feeling the pain, the hardship, not knowing how I would push him out, but I had to push him out because his heart rate was dropping. Like that memory, I was like, girl, if you can do that, you can do this. It is why I think every single mom who feels stuck who feels unsure, uncertain, doesn't know who she is, feels like she's lost herself. She's like, I just need something. I just need something. Let this be your something. Sign up for a race. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org.